Hey, what's going on everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Uh, I thought I would go ahead and start a podcast here. I want to warn you real quick. This is going to be raw. This is going to be rough. There's going to be some awkward pauses because I'm not really sure exactly <laughs> what I'm doing here. Uh, so funny little story. I was actually uh, listening to another podcast, which is pretty interesting to me. They're talking about how uh, audio is really kind of going to be quite possibly the wave of the future um, because we like to multitask. And I was thinking about that for a while. I was thinking, man, you know, I don't really watch many YouTube videos because I'm always doing three other things. But podcasts I can do um, because I can do other things while I'm listening. So anyways, I do hope that's the same for you. You're probably going to hear me uh, a little out of breath perhaps because I'm uh, I'm out on a nice little brisk walk here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what though, it's, uh, it's fun. I was just thinking I literally downloaded an app on my walk. So this is kind of like a podcast on the fly here so <laughs> enough of me uh, talking about that for about a minute and a half now so I'll go ahead and jump into what I was going to say. Um, I wanted to talk about something that I've gotten into uh, recently as far as uh, uh, baseball card collecting goes. Um, I have an article that's written and I'm not sure if it's going to be posted, um, if I'm going to self-publish it. I don't know if it's going to be published on Beckett. Because it might be in Beckett Magazine. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but I'll talk a little bit about it here. Because it is, uh, quite frankly, wildly interesting to me. And uh, what I'm uh, uh, interested in these days is a time period in baseball that's, uh, that is before there were actually baseball cards. And, uh, again, you know, I'm outside, so there's cars that are going by. And, you know, I apologize. This is definitely not some kind of... Uh, professional recorded studio uh, audio or anything like that but uh yeah I figured uh, that's okay I'm uh, if I if I wait for that then I'm not gonna not gonna do it at all so anyways continuing on uh probably I want to say around 1886 1887 those were uh when some of the first uh real mainstream baseball cards hit so we're talking like old judge um Alan Ginner the real old ones. And might I say, by the way, a lot of people that I talk to, um, they, <laughs> they have no idea how old baseball cards can be. A lot of them will think, well, the first one might be a Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth or Honest Wagner. Um, but when I start telling people about these cards from the 19th century, oh man, I want to tell you something. Like, it's almost like uh, talking about having like the Declaration of Independence or something. I mean, it's pretty amazing uh, to get feedback from people that don't know about this time period of baseball. So, anyways, um, I do want to go back and turn back the clock a little bit before that, uh, before 1886. So, uh, and we'll go ahead and start around uh, the end of the Civil War. So, the Civil War was from 1861 to 1865. And uh, by 1865, baseball was already um, our national pastime. Like, it was thriving. Everybody loved baseball. So, the question is this. I gotta say, by the way, it is cold out here. <laughs> like, <laughs> praise God for cold weather in Houston. <laughs> I didn't think I'd uh, live to uh, see this again, but uh, this is pretty, uh, 
pretty awesome. So it's kind of uh, get me to share a little bit also while I'm walking. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, so you have these all these fans in baseball that were uh, from like 1865, fresh out of the Civil War. Um, and by the way, they did play baseball games during the Civil War as well. But anyways, everybody loves this game. And they have for over 150 years, like quite a bit over 150 years. Uh, and so the question is, uh, if everybody loved it, what the heck did they collect if they didn't have baseball cards? So you, could you imagine living in a time period where there are no baseball cards to collect? Mind-blowing. I know that's not what I want to be <laughs> doing, is uh, living in a, in a time period like that. But anyways, so uh, get ready to be like fascinated like crazy, if you're anything like me, that is. What they collected are things called woodcuts. Now let me tell you what a woodcut is. And, and by the way, um, it wasn't just limited to woodcuts. There's other things as well that they collected. Uh, but we're going to focus on, on woodcuts this evening. So what is a woodcut? A woodcut is something that would be typically found in a publication back in the 19th century called uh, Frank Leslie Illustrated, Harper's Weekly, um, all kinds of other, uh, not all kinds, there are probably a few others that I know of, but the main ones were Leslie Illustrated and uh, Harper's Weekly. So these publications were uh, kind of like news, newspapers are now today. And the illustrations that they would have uh, would be, uh, um, I don't want to say drawn, but they were, they were actually carved into blocks of wood. And uh, I'll give you kind of the most uh, hmm, rudimentary way of, of saying what a, what a woodcut is. So you take a block of wood and you take a drawing. Well, what you do after that is you copy that drawing on the piece of wood and you carve it or engrave it into the wood. So when that is done, um, you would apply ink to the wood, almost like you would ink on a rubber stamp if that... Uh, helps you to kind of figure out what's going on there. And then they would stamp it on paper. They would stamp it on as many times as possible, uh, or as many times as they need, which to me, I think is a really cool thing. Uh, like a, a really cool thing because it's not a, it's not like a machine that did this stuff. This is a, these woodcuts are actually like, a, um, you could consider them originals just like you could like a Picasso uh, lithograph hanging in a museum. Um, because they are made by, they're handmade or made by handmade tools. And uh, so anyways, that kind of adds to the, uh, the charm of these pieces. So anyways, that's how they would uh, replicate pictures. Uh, and I'll tell you kind of a little bit of the history of woodcuts. So they would start, they started first of all, y'all, like, like several, several centuries ago. And they're very, uh, very crude, very rudimentary, very simple. Um, looking but that's how they would replicate pictures and books and everything for centuries um, is by doing these woodcuts because they didn't have printing technology or anything like that right and uh, um, even the photograph uh, technology didn't come uh, come along as uh, I think it's called halftone is what it's called and I think that was really more prevalent in the 1890s but before that um, they just didn't have the technology really to um, print at scale uh, these photographs. So what they ultimately started doing um, is before that, you know, for instance, for the Civil War is they would send a few artists um, down on the, on the battlefield and draw what they see. 
And first of all, I couldn't imagine that. It's insane. But um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, when they're done with their drawing, they would bring them back to these engravers. And so the engravers would take these pictures and they would do their best to copy on the wood. And uh, they would actually split this up, split the wood blocks up um, into several chunks. So several people could be working on this engraving of this big picture um, at the same time because it's a very tedious process. And really it was like an uh, art in and of itself because a lot of these woodcuts, they're beautiful. I mean, they, they're amazing. But um, anyways, you'll have like this, uh, this huge like landscape of, uh, of battle in Civil War. And you see people and horses and fighting and all that is just it's really incredible and I think we have a lot to uh, give thanks for on these woodcuts because otherwise we wouldn't really have um, much of uh, be able to have much of a picture um, of what past events were aside from a few photographs because they did have photographs back then of course but anyway so this uh, this isn't about the Civil War though so this is about baseball of course so here's where it gets interesting and exciting for you and for me as well. Uh, what they would do before baseball cards is they would actually make woodcuts of baseball players and baseball teams, which is pretty stinking awesome, I gotta say. Because some of these guys on these woodcuts that they did, they don't even have baseball cards, and this is like really kind of the only way that you can uh, realistically own something. So. Um, like I said, the woodcuts would be like of entire teams or they would be of single players. And a lot of times they'd be like championship teams or something. Every now and then they would have like, uh, like once on Blue Moon, they'd have like a uh, uh, front page full illustration of a star player like Buck Ewing or something. Um, as a matter of fact, he's the only one that comes to mind that had a cover, if I remember correctly. But anyways, um, so... As time went by, uh, they got a little more slick and sophisticated with their woodcuts. And they actually developed a way, from my understanding anyway, uh, how to develop a photograph directly onto the wood. So that way they can engrave it and have more realistic looking uh, uh, woodcuts. And so uh, if, you look, uh, if you look at any of these woodcuts, um, uh, they're just incredible. I mean, you look at them and you see like... Uh, you know, kind of like the grain and everything inside the ink and all that. It's really awesome. Uh, but uh, anyway, so you'll have uh, all these players that a lot of people uh, don't know about. Like, let me ask you a question here. Do you know who the first person uh, in professional baseball history was to hit a home run? So who hit the first home run? My guess is that probably... 90 plus percent of you don't know who that is <laughs> and that's okay because guess what i didn't either <laughs> i didn't either until about a few months ago uh there's a uh, baseball player by the name of ross barnes he was the first player uh, to hit a home run now you'd think that he would hold some sort of special place in the hearts and minds of uh all of us uh, baseball fans and baseball card collectors but uh nope i don't think the guy has uh, has any baseball cards i don't think like back then during his playing days, he might, but I don't think so. Guess what? He has a woodcut, you know, which is really awesome. Same thing with Al Spaulding, George Wright, Harry Wright. I mean, they've got some cards, but, uh, uh, but like, I mean, super expensive. Um, 
but they've got a few woodcuts. And uh, one thing that's probably, I'll tell you a couple of my favorites. And by the way, y'all, um, check out my site at tanmanbaseballfan.com. That'll, uh, that article will be up at some point and you can actually see pictures of these things. Um, they're fairly affordable too, which is really cool. So, um, and we're talking like a lot of these woodcuts can go, that have like Hall of Famers on it for like $100, $200, sometimes even less, you know, which is really cool. So, uh, anyways, I'll go ahead and talk about the three pieces that probably uh, mean the most to me. Uh, actually, probably talked about two of them. So, the first one um, is actually the reason why all of the baseball uh, players have the 150th anniversary uh, sleeve patch. I don't know if you noticed this, but the entire season, you know, almost, almost all, if not all teams have this 150th anniversary patch. Um, I noticed during the division series between the Astros and Rays, the Rays didn't, um, they had a patch that had like somebody's initials. So, and that's typically done to, uh, um, commemorate somebody who passed away that was meaningful to, uh, that team so I don't know if that was just for the playoffs or if they did that all year I wasn't really paying attention to them during the season but anyways so a lot of people haven't really thought much about the 150 year thing so you go back 150 years to 1869 that was the first professional team in baseball the Cincinnati Red Stockings and uh they actually have a woodcut and so uh I've been grateful to have uh, been able to pick up one of them, uh, two of them actually, one uh, one in free form and one uh, in uh, uh, the actual entire publication. And I'm walking by a uh, bicycle now in the grass. That's kind of weird. Um, anyway, so uh, it's pretty cool to have something like that because you actually have a graphical representation of the entire team from something that's original from 1869, which is really just, it's mind-blowing to me. And my guess is probably that the average collector doesn't know about these things. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, they're not ever going to be nearly as collectible or as accepted uh, as baseball cards are because they're bigger and they're harder to uh, store. They're not in full color. Um, and, uh, you know, frankly, a lot of the stars from 19th century, nobody knows about. <laughs> so, uh, and I say nobody, I say that term loosely because there's a lot of people that do, they just want to, but those that do want to keep it quiet. So <laughs> that way the prices don't shoot up on everybody. <laughs> but, um, anyways, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I'd highly recommend having because it really is a piece of baseball history and really to an extent, American history, um, so, you know, go check it out. It's, uh, I think it was in uh, Harper Weekly. If you, if you are interested, let me know. Hit me up um, on Twitter at tanmanbbfan.com or Facebook, Tanner Jones. Uh, email tanmanbaseballfan.gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have on these because um, I can't remember off the top of my head what publication they came in. But, um they're routinely reprints of these that are sold online and they look like they're supposed to be original. So be careful on those, but they, uh, normally sell for 13, 14 bucks just for the reprint. But, uh, anyway, which is fine. If you're into reprints, go for it. But, uh, you know, 
so much cooler having something that's like Civil War era, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, to think about, I think probably part of the reason why I love this so much is I have this like picture in my head of these kids from the 1800s, like scampering to their dad's magazine or newspaper, or whatever, asking, begging, pleading, can I please, please, please have page 13 or whatever it is, uh, where the red stockings are there, or where, uh, picture of Cap Hansen is, or King Kelly, or, uh, you know, Big Hoss Radborn, or, you know, any of these other guys, um, can I please, Buck Ewing, uh, who else, who else, uh, who is his pitcher, Tim Keefe, uh, Timothy Keefe, Sir Timothy, um, trying to think of some other guys, Roger Connor, uh, Dan Brothers, uh, you know, just, there, there's so many, it's such a rich history. There's so, so many people, uh, so many awesome players with fantastic stories. Uh, you know, uh, it's fun to, it's fun to, um, research this stuff also. And it's, uh, equally as fun to, uh, be able to, uh, I don't know, have something that represents the game and these players to almost have like a personal connection. But Anyways, back to what I was saying, though, kind of fun to picture in your mind kids in the 19th century, um, you know, it spans like three dec- uh, three centuries ago, like, uh, you know, we're in the 21st, last was 20th, and then before that is the 19th century. I mean, a whole other world, these kids going to their parents or whatever saying, please, can I have this page for my collection and cut it out and put it in my album and stuff, because that was a... That was a big thing back there, back then. Um, and also, just as a little rabbit trail here for you, um, one thing that's interesting is we always wonder, well, <laughs> probably back up. I don't think we always wonder. I don't think anybody's really wondered this before. But um, uh, where did we get the term trading cards? Well, back in the 19th century, they actually uh, would sell these pieces uh, that were uh, that were meant for advertising pieces and they would be lithographs a lot of times. Um, they would be die cut beautiful pieces that would sell like baking soda or, you know, glue or whatever. And, uh, you know, they would have beautiful artwork and people would actually collect these and they would call them trade cards because these cards were made, uh, to advertise somebody's trade. So there they are trade cards. What we have now baseball cards or trading cards. Uh, anyways, so this would be like a family affair a lot of times. So they would, uh, people would collect these things, whether it be for baking soda or for, um, you know, some sort of tonic or whatever. Like they would collect all these, all these trade cards as well as these woodcuts and they would paste them in albums and that would be their collection because they didn't have baseball cards back then really. Um, so really cool, really cool to think about. But anyways, the last piece I want to tell you about is a piece that I'm actually super excited because I was able to uh, get my hands on finally after looking for quite a while on it. And uh, it is uh, the uh, 1865, uh, November 4th, 1865, I believe, uh, Leslie's Illustrated um, uh, issue. And I want to tell you why it's like super, super uh, important. It's like the... uh, it's like the uh, holy grail of all woodcuts. Um, first of all, like y'all, if, if you ever get a chance, find a 19th century publication. 
and just read it. Just read the advertisements and stuff. It's like, it's crazy. There, there's so many strange things that they uh, talk about and uh, that they advertise and a uh, whole different world. But anyways, I, uh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And, and really a uh, 21st century uh, PC nation that we're in right now would, uh, would definitely not approve. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of... You kind of read this stuff. You're like, holy cow, I can't believe they said this stuff back then. But like I said, another time, um, another time period altogether. But this uh, November 4th, 1865, Leslie's Illustrated, uh, the holy grail of woodcuts. I'll tell you why. It's mainly because of a certain player by the name of Jim Creighton. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Jim Creighton before or not. Again, I'm going to have to raise my hand on this because... I didn't know who this guy was until several months ago myself, okay? So uh, it's okay, you know, be uh, be honest with yourself. Admit that you hadn't heard of this guy yet. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, and interestingly enough, I found out that uh, um, uh, on Homer at the Bat, the Simpsons episode where they had all the baseball players come in, uh, they actually, uh, Mr. Burns, uh, it was with uh, Smithers, and they were talking in his office, and um they're building like a dream team, so to speak. And Mr. Burns was uh, insistent on uh, uh, getting some of these old-time players. And he called out Jim Creighton as one of them. You know, Smithers, get me Creighton. And uh, Smithers is like, well, sir, that's impossible because he's been dead for over 130 years or something like that. <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about back then. You know, I had no idea who these people were uh, when the uh, show first aired. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool to, uh, uh, after I found out about who Jim Creighton was, to go back and go, oh, holy crap, the Simpsons actually talking about him. So anyways, kind of cool, uh, kind of really cool. Now, why is this cool? Who is this Jim Creighton guy? Well, um, I'll be happy to tell you, actually. Turns out that he was baseball's first superstar ever. Again, this guy should have like, a monument or something in uh, in Major League Baseball history. I mean, it's uh, incredible. I'll tell you about him uh, a little bit, just as as much as I can remember while I'm on my walk here. <laughs> and uh, I love this story. So back in the 1860s, uh, baseball was actually pitched underhand. So you think about that for a second. <laughs> We're watching these guys like... Uh, Justin Verlander and uh, Garrett Cole. I mean, these guys are hitting like 100 miles an hour sometimes. Baseball up until 1884 was underhand. And uh, just think about that for a second. To me, that's incredible because back then, the, the point was to try to get the ball into play. So what Jim Creighton was able to do, he was able to figure out how to snap his wrist a certain way and the ball would be really unpredictable. Nobody could hit the guy. And he was rather controversial because everybody said, hey, um, uh, this guy is not doing it right. And Creighton says, well, what are you talking about? I am adhering to all the rules. I am pitching underhand, and nobody could say anything about it. So as a result, the dude was a beast. And he quite possibly was the first player to have uh, been uh, paid you know, under the table, of course, for, uh, for services, but, um, 
pretty darn interesting. He was also an incredible hitter as well. Um, and this was, uh, I think, his last year. He was only 21 years old uh, at this point, but uh, he ended up uh, uh, dying. And this is where the story gets even more interesting. And this is, uh, I think, I think, I think, this is uh, a story that was perpetuated by Al Spaulding, um, who's been known to be like kind of a storyteller, even though he was like one of, uh, he'd be on the, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, what's that thing? I can't, uh, I can't think of it. It's the, uh, that dang mountain with the four presidential faces. Um, uh, my <laughs> name's escaping me completely. He would be one of those guys anyways. That's what I'm saying. He, his face would be on one of those. Um, and so, but he was, uh, he was a sales guy. You know, he was, uh, he was an entrepreneur. He, uh, he wanted to promote excitement, but nevertheless, here's how the legend goes. Jim Creighton comes up to bat in 1862. He swings uh, at, at the pitch, hits a home run. Now he twists his body so badly, he ends up uh, having some sort of like an internal injury. The next day, he dies. How weird is that? So I'm not saying it's right, I'm not saying it's wrong. Um, that's what I've heard. Some people have speculated perhaps, perhaps, perhaps it was uh, on the cricket field that that happened, but it sounds like to me that he was playing baseball or some derivative of it. Um, eh, that's just kind of a more pretty way of saying cricket, <laughs> I guess, so, and that's also false. But um, anyways, it sounds to me like it is quite possible that this happened, uh, which is wildly interesting to me. So uh, anyways, the, uh, the point of this whole story is in 1865, this guy was such a big deal that three years post-mortem, so three years after he died, uh, they uh, did woodcut of uh, uh, monuments of him, like uh, looking down at the championship team of that time period, which is the Brooklyn Atlantics, who, by the way, were the first team that were uh, professional, or I'm sorry, the first sports team ever to uh, be invited uh, to the White House, which is wild, right? Anyway, so Jim Creighton is actually looking down on this team, and it's very—it's kind of like this, this hauntingly beautiful picture from over a century and a half ago, and uh, really cool. It's a—it's a, a two-page spread, and um, I gotta get it framed uh, because it, it, these woodcuts look beautiful framed. But anyway, so that's the—that uh, is the holy grail of woodcuts because primarily Creighton didn't have any baseball cards. Uh, in fact, he doesn't really have hardly any woodcuts either. So that's the that's the big daddy. It's the it's uh, one of the only things uh, out there of baseball's absolute first superstar. So the one other piece to this is you look down the page to the right. There's a bearded man, and he's got this uh, this hat on, and uh, I believe he's the only one that doesn't have a name associated with him. And so it's been a long time speculated that it was uh, the earliest depiction of the father of baseball, Henry Chadwick. So I was fortunate enough to land the entire issue that this woodcut had in it, and or that this woodcut was in. And 
Ooh, hang on one second. Y'all, I found 30 cents on the ground. You better believe I'm not gonna pass that up. Anyway, so uh, Henry Chadwick, people have thought that this was him, but they just didn't know. There's a lot of speculation. So because I was able to pick up the entire issue, I decided to um, look through the entire issue and see if there was uh, anything that talked about it. And sure enough, uh, on the back page, it talks about the bearded man <laughs> named Henry Chadwick, which is really awesome because he doesn't have much in the way of uh, pictures of him out there. And uh, certainly this is uh, widely considered to be uh, his earliest depiction, the earliest depiction of, uh, of him, which is awesome. And uh, so it's kind of like a real nice one-two punch that so you've got baseball's first superstar and the father of baseball all in the same piece. So um, we're running up on about 30 minutes. Guys, it's so funny. Like I'm talking and uh, uh, about baseball stuff and it feels like five minutes. <laughs> it really does. Um, so really hope that you enjoy uh, listening to some of this. Hopefully this uh, educates you a little bit and hopefully this uh, um, is intriguing enough for you to at least do a little bit of research on this as well. Um, like I said, they're very affordable when they come up. And uh, there's one other just is kind of like a little bonus. Uh, a bonus we'll get to tell you about and a bonus little uh, factoid about baseball. So baseball was so big back in the 1860s, um, they actually did some exhibition games on ice skates. <laughs> so you imagine like Yasiel Puig and uh, all these guys uh, um, out on on skates uh, playing baseball. That would be hilarious. But uh, anyways, and the, uh, the bonus woodcut I want to tell you about is there's this uh, really fun woodcut that they created. I've got a couple of them myself. Uh, and it's titled something like, Is This the Future of Baseball? And there are literally people rounding the bases on horseback. So they thought that was going to be... Uh, the next big thing in our uh, national pastime. So anyways, like I said, guys, I, I hope you enjoy uh, hearing about this stuff. Like I said, sorry, it's not polished or anything. I know it's, uh, like I said, I know it's rough and raw. and um, But literally, that's what it is. I'm uh, on my walk at night and I'm uh, talking in my phone as I'm thinking of things. So anyways, uh, hope this is... Uh, kept you entertained and has educated you a little bit and uh like i said hit me up say hi ask questions here for you so twitter tanman bb fan facebook tanner jones email tanmanbaseballfan at gmail.com and my website tanmanbaseballfan.com don't know when i'm going to be doing the next one but uh i don't know if i uh get a good response on this or if I'm just feeling it the next time I'm out here I'll post up another one if I uh, have baseball on the brain and uh, I always do when I'm walking so y'all have a great night